Good morning, friends, and welcome to the new episode of Quest for Excellence series hosted by Intellectus Consulting. As I had mentioned to you in the inaugural episode, the Quest for Excellence series is dedicated towards improving the standards of marketing excellence in our pharmaceutical industry. In this endeavor, you will get to meet and hear perspectives from business leaders of our industry and learn as to what it takes to be the best in the pharmaceutical industry in terms of either leadership excellence or marketing excellence or strategy excellence, commercial excellence and brand building excellence. In today's episode, I'm very happy to be hosting one of the senior and most respected business leaders of our industry. Please meet Mr. Anuj Reddy, who is the Vice President for Commercial Excellence for Dr. Reddy's Laboratories based in Hyderabad. Anuj has had a very successful and long tenure in our industry for the past 26 to 27 years. He has had multifaceted experience and exposure to several important functions like business development, business planning, product management, you know, commercial excellence, and also leadership roles, which involve P&L responsibility. It is a matter of great pride to host Anuj, whom I have personally known as a professional and as an industry colleague for over 20 years now. Anuj has had not only domestic marketing experience, but also international marketing experience when he started off his career with Novo Nordisk, which is the world's leader in diabetes way back in the late 90s and early 2000s. He has had a phenomenal track record of launching some of the most successful originator, original innovator brands in our industry, such as Mixtard, Novo, Levimir, Novo Mix 30, and so on and so forth. So without further ado, let me now welcome Anuj Reddy to this season episode. Hi, hey, hey, how are you? Yeah, I'm very fine. Good to see you, and it, you look so trim and so smart. Good to see you. <laughs> Same here, man. I, I started. Yes, it's so great. To, it's so great to see you, Anuj. In fact, I started the call two minutes earlier, and I did a recording of giving your, uh, you know, uh, introduction to the group. Okay, perfect. So I will share that with you as well. Yeah, so great to have you on. Thank you so much for, uh, you know, uh, agreeing to be a part of this initiative. And um, as I was telling our viewers uh, who go see this uh, interview with you, is that um, I've been very fortunate to have known you as one of those few industry leaders who has had a multifaceted and a multidimensional exposure to the different of, uh, business functions of our industry, right? Starting with product management, business development, business planning, strategy, 
and now commercial ex uh, excellence. Uh, what's even more impressive is the fact that you have had not only the domestic pharmaceutical marketing experience, but also you know, the international marketing experience, right? Having worked with uh, the global leader in diabetes like Novo Nordisk in Copenhagen for more than five years, and you know, doing outstanding work in you know, supporting various global markets like Japan, US, et cetera. And we will get to that in a minute. So um, Anuj, welcome to this uh, you know, uh, series, because as you know, Intellect is consulting our company and you've been closely associated with us, is passionately committed towards driving marketing and management and commercial excellence in the industry in all forms and facets, be it through webinars, blogs, industry-sponsored forums, as well as workshops and personalized coaching interventions. So the quest for excellence series, as I'd outlined to you, is another step in that direction, you know, which is going to capture your perspectives. And we would love to hear from you and so also all other industry colleagues at what it takes to be really the best in any of the domains. So without much ado, Anuj, thank you so much. Once again, a personal thank you from me and from my organization for having agreed to be a part of this initiative. No, absolutely. I think uh, lovely interacting with you, Shailesh, and uh, it's it's always a pleasure. I've actually we've we've known each other for over uh, I think about twenty five years now. So always a pleasure speaking with you. Twenty five years, yes. Thank you so much, Anush. Uh, thank you. Um, I, I want to straight uh, I want to straight dive into you know our interaction, and you know I'm very excited to hear your thoughts around certain things. See, you have. You have spent so much of time, you know, across these various, uh, you know, functions. And uh, as I just mentioned, so uh, I first want to understand, uh, you know, and probably our viewers also, what, what prompted you to get into these lateral roles, right? Because generally we see in our industry, product managers get into vertical growth and they're, you know, they either the group for, you know, product manager, group product manager kind of vertical growth, or they stay in the same therapy area and change companies. But you have been you know, completely different from the pack. So I just want to hear your thoughts on what prompted you to take this lateral roles and how do you think it helped you shape your career now when you look back in this last 20 years? So, uh, Shailesh, I mean, to be honest, I think, um, you know, um, it's uh, God's been kind. Um, I, a lot of times these things have been thrown at me and I've accepted them. Uh, but honestly, I, having gone through that, uh, when I look back, I, I honestly believe that experiences uh, rather than experience is is important, right? So if you've got multiple kinds of experiences, you're you're a lot sharper. Uh, you understand things from different perspectives. Could you hear me? Can you? No, I couldn't. Me? I lost you. Actually, your connection is unstable. Rather, uh, yeah. Now I can hear. Yeah. Perfectly. Let me just try to see if I can if change to another connection, if this is unstable. Like, just give me a minute. Yeah, no, I think this is the most stable connection I've got. Great. No, so I was saying, uh, Shailesh, I think, you know, um, these are things that sure. honestly I did not plan. Um, yes, I think uh, I was open to them. Uh, I did not plan them. Uh, when I look back, uh, I can clearly say that, uh, you know, experiences, uh, rather than experience is very, very important. Uh, when you've got a multitude of experiences, when you've spent time with different kinds of areas, uh, I think you're a lot sharper uh, and, and, um, and, 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 and know the industry far, far, far better. 
So that would be my suggestion that, you know, there's one way of growing that's, of course, the lateral way of growing. But having done that, uh, not done that, um, having, uh, you know, have had varied uh, lateral roles, I can definitely recommend uh, that to each one. Um, please don't look at your careers only as something that you start with, um, let's say, a brand manager, then move up to a GPM, then move up to an MM. It doesn't work that way. And I think people require, um, you know, folks who understand business, not just from a marketing perspective, from a sales perspective, from a BD perspective, uh, potentially from a sales, uh, sales force effectiveness perspective. So I think having uh, opportunities of working in different functions is a great opportunity. So I would suggest that if you get these opportunities, take them with both hands. A lot of times you're not, uh, you know, given these opportunities, uh, seek them if you can. Uh, that would be my suggestion. Right. So, so, uh, so what you are essentially uh, uh, telling is, uh, you uh, they they may probably not exist, but you go and seek them out so that in terms of your lateral development and exposure and well, I know well-rounded uh, learnings over the period. So, Anuj, uh, what's been your key learnings when you dabbled in BD and business planning? How do you think you applied that to commercial leadership roles when you got into it at some point of time? Any any key takeaways or learnings for us? Major takeaways. Um... You know, so I've done business roles, I've done marketing roles, and I've also done, uh, you know, business development, business planning roles. So I, I had the fortune of managing clinical development and regulatory as, as well in the past. Uh, right. So often, you know, when I've been managing my businesses, uh, I need to I need to interact with with all of these guys, right? And and a lot of times, um, you know, the the uh, having done these roles earlier. It gives you a, a vantage point uh, to know as to what can get done. What you know, for example, if, if a medic uh, kind of uh, comes around and say, "This is going to take me about two years to complete the study," is going to take me two years to complete. I think very simple questions. Having done that before, uh, you know, you know, what kind of a design are you operating with? Um, you know, uh, how many patients uh, do we need in order to do that, to get a statistical significance? You know, is it a double blind? Is it an open label? Um, uh, you know, what are your sites that you're, you're operating with? Are there things that you can run in parallel? These are questions that you can definitely ask and make sure that these timelines can be crunched or you, you're giving some uh, kind of input into them in order to make sure that your product can be out there in the market quicker. A similar thing with, with regulatory, right? I mean, if you've done this role before, you understand a little bit of regulatory, you can't be taken for a ride. So I think uh, understanding as to what are, and you're never going to become an expert. That's not the intent. If you're a marketeer, uh, don't intend to become an expert in regulatory. That's not what I'm suggesting. Don't intend to become an expert in 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 clinical development or any other function. But knowing what it takes gives you the edge over everyone else. Right. So would it be fair to say, Anuj, that when you handle these kind of lateral roles, which are also very important for successful outcome, you develop a sense of cross-functional leadership early on, which helps you to get, uh, seek better roles. Would that be one message? Would that be Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So I think most people who are marketeers, obviously, 
take that up as a you know a stepping stone to probably get into as business leaders at some point in time and honestly to be a business leader you have to be a great marketer because um, you know obviously that's 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 a very important aspect of business but there are things beyond marketing uh, that are part of business understanding sales is just as important just understanding uh, what does it take to succeed in business requires you to be a great business development guy uh needs you to understand medicine uh, fairly well needs you to understand clinical development fairly well needs you to understand regulatory fairly well so i think having this cross functional overview helps you immensely in becoming a strong business leader great that that's very very nice to hear that uh would you also say anuj that uh, getting into the depth of those core functional processes at least from each of these Uh, domains is also important besides the marketing function which you obviously oh, absolutely absolutely uh, i think um, just as we consider ourselves experts in marketing we understand all aspects of marketing there are people who are doing those roles in other parts of the organization i am not suggesting that we double guess them uh, but i think uh, supporting them with our points of view uh, suggesting ways out because uh, typically when you are in a box uh it's impossible to think outside the box and and for a medical guy uh you're outside the box uh right. so the suggestions that you can give are very different from the ones that he would get the same is true for bd the same is true for regulatory the same is true for sales so right. i think it's you being in marketing and not being in the core functions that they operate in gives you a huge vantage point make use of that vantage point you can only have that vantage point if you know something about their their, uh, their business right right no this is very helpful uh, anuj thank you so much for those lead uh, you know uh, learnings one is obviously to seek out for those roles and not just you know wait and see if it's given to you second develop a in depth understanding of the processes of those support functions and think out of the box and third very important is to develop you know a good sense of cross functional leadership so thanks for that okay let me now turn the clock back and let's see you know about 20 25 years ago when uh, we first met up obviously way back in 96 97 um you had come in fresh from the from the sales role as a marketing executive in chennai into uh, uh, the product management function and uh, you know you had a very successful uh, initial 3 uh, years in the domestic marketing function of novo nordisk before you uh, took on an international assignment with the headquarters in copenhagen so my uh, you know i would like uh, uh, me and our viewers would love to listen your perspectives on how the stint in both the domestic and the international or global marketing as i would call it helped you get a full 360 degree view of the marketing function and also if you could help us understand the key similarities and differences in these two you know um, uh, functions of global versus the local kind of yeah. no so uh, thank you shailesh i think a very important question and i i was just pondering over it uh, you know as i was thinking about our conversation um and one of the things that struck me is you know when you're looking at a uh, global roles um a lot of it is uh, because you're working for different um, geographies it's not just one geography that you're working with so obviously the focus would be on the top 10 uh that contribute about 80% of your total business so the us obviously being one of them parts of europe being another japan being a third so so having a view of you know cultural similarities differences treatment paradigms 
uh, across countries become very very important in the global sense so um, uh, it's it's uh, so so that's that's a huge difference you're not looking at one market you're looking at multiple markets uh, i think working with uh, cross functional stakeholders cross cultural stakeholders so to say is right. very very important right um, also i think you're for working with a lot of folks in r and d Right, right. Uh, uh, because because a lot of things that happen in global marketing is before you know the the product is out in the market. So you, if you were to look at um, you know a, a lot of uh, I mean a lot of these uh, MNCs are um, you know uh, the way they are uh, they are almost uh, you know um, uh, let's say they work on the PNC model. So essentially they've got teams that manage early projects. They've got teams that manage. uh launch launch projects there are teams that manage life cycle management projects right okay so so when you're looking at an early project team these guys are giving a huge amount of input into the r&d teams so they're working with things like uh target product profile what should the product look like when it hits the market um you know what kind of trials should we be doing in order to make sure that the the product is successful out there in the market they work a lot on thought leadership uh which is uh, you know um how how do we make sure that before we launch the product a uh, huge number of doctors already know about it thought leaders already know about the product um so these are another set of uh, things that they uh, typically work on um the pricing is a very important aspect of global marketing right so what kind of pricing should we have so that it's not too high and and at the same time is not too low because uh pricing is uh, i mean today it, there's reference pricing across right there's some markets like the us where there's no reference pricing uh but nevertheless i think most countries have become reference priced now so figuring out how much what should we price it at uh and 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 what should the launch plan be should we first launch in this country and then move it on that becomes a very important aspect of global marketing so that's typically the kind of roles that a global marketer plays right uh, which is more cross cultural cross functional understanding different cultures uh, working with r&d working with clinical development um, working with life cycle management even before you've started um, launching your first product you're also already thinking about uh, what are the things that you should be doing in terms of life cycle management how do you expand the indication what are the new formulations that you can have etc cetera, etc cetera, right so these are huge these are the things that a global marketer would do now look at uh, what an indian marketer would do i would almost say that this is exactly what an indian marketer should also be doing right uh, it should be no different and if you're able to combine these two um i i, I do believe that in when you're doing marketing within india or any other affiliate uh it's it's a lot more on the ground so you you're trying to do what the global marketer has done i put from a uh, from from a country perspective right? right so i think it's a lot more in depth where you're trying to figure out what are you know what will work in this culture what will not work in this culture uh, how do i communicate how don't i communicate so things are not very different except they are on a smaller scale that's Uh, but but i think one thing that i've uh, learned from global marketers is the life cycle management part of it right which right. i think we need to do a lot better uh, right. in 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 the local markets right. um, i i think once uh, you know uh, let's say you're launching a product pre marketing of a product very few of our companies in india do i mean of course the mnc's do it um so how early can you start should you start that 24 months in advance 
Uh, should we start that 12 months in advance? What are the things that you need to be doing in order to make sure that you're creating a level of, um, you know, um, um, uh, understanding about the product? Uh, those are kind of things that I think uh, Indian marketeers can definitely learn from global marketeers. Yes, yes. No, that's that's really insightful, uh, Anuj, because I have also sensed, uh, you know, after uh, being an entrepreneur and actively engaged in uh, the coaching of brand management teams across my clients, that one of the areas of certain development definitely is, what you mentioned is uh, raising the standards of pre-marketing, doing you know, the great work around building the market, you know, product acceptance in the market, and also you know, doing the life cycle management piece. Uh, very often, Anuj, I, I see, and I don't know how you would want to respond to that, that marketing excellence, as you rightly said, in the Indian context needs to dovetail with uh, the life cycle management, pricing, and other key aspects of the process. I find it is sometimes wanting a lot. I mean, it's not great. Why do you, th do you think that's the case and why do you think it's happening? I mean, just a few thoughts, if you think is, you know, we have found wanting or lacking. We don't put too much rigor into it, you know, in terms of pricing strategy, in terms of building them up. What could be the resilience because of any particular reason? What would you want to hear? So, uh, Shailesh, I mean, that's a great question. And I think, you know, uh, look at uh, look at the you know uh, different kinds of companies that operate within India, right? I mean, you've got the MNCs where pricing, to a large extent, could be global. Uh, in some cases, we of course uh, you know do local Indian pricing, uh, and there of course you do a lot of these uh, you know price elasticity understanding and all of that. Uh, but but it's it's far and few in between. I mean, most right. of it is decided globally, saying this is the bare minimum price that we will allow you to accept. Um, and then, you know, let's go to the Indian companies. Indian companies typically are operating where uh, it's, it's almost a generalized market. You may be first to market, but uh, often it's defined by what my next competitor is going to launch at. So you're always double guessing your next com competitor as to, you know, uh, if I price it at this, what's the guy going to price it at? What's my next move going to be? And, and therefore, your, your costs, your, your pricing uh, is more or less decided by your costs. I don't know if that's a great idea, but that's typically the way it works. So you've got one group that's 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 getting dictated by corporate, and then you've got another group that's dictated by the market. Right. Uh, there's of course uh, you know a small segment where you are a quasi innovator, where you've got a differentiated product uh, which is hard to copy. Uh, and in those cases, I do believe that you know companies are undertaking the you know the pricing researches, trying to figure out what's the price at which we uh, we we, we um, you know make it available in the market. So I, I I would say that you know we need to do a lot more there. But uh, the way the market is structured is also not allowing us to uh, to do it with the same level of rigor as we would have or we should have. All right. So essentially what uh, you say, and if I understand you correctly, is you have the MNCs, which are obviously bound by the global pricing, the flow pricing kind of issues with their parent uh, company in the headquarters. And you have the Indian companies, which are split between either doing pricing research through rigorous mechanisms or looking at the top three pricing brands priced, and then they would probably go for you know the best possible weighted average price or cost plus pricing, as you rightly said. And that's probably existent in our market today. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Anuj. Um, have, and the next question, Anuj, is you've spent 
a rich two and a half decades in marketing and in commercial operations. Um, how have you seen the evolution of marketing as a function in a pharmaceutical industry? I'm very keen to know because you are a passionate marketer yourself. Yeah. The good or the bad, whatever it is, I would love to hear your thoughts around this. Yeah. No, so I'm, I'm just reminding uh, to when I used to be a product manager. And I think, um, and, and Michelle, you and I were, you know, working on similar products or same products in some cases. Um, and, and I remember, uh, you know, I think the marketing was a lot about brand building at that point in time, right? Um, uh, and, and, and brands were the kings. Uh, and, and um, you know, another, let's say, uh, a decade later, the situation changed a little. I'm not saying changed completely. Brand building has never gone out of work. So it's always been in work, will continue to be in work. But I think there was a tilt or a shift towards customer. So the, the whole market started pivoting on the customer, right? So you, you saw, um, you know, uh, customer centricity as the core. Uh, branding was important, but there was a new element that was added, which was customer centricity. So, um, and, and, and you, you, you started looking at, you know, what can I do for the customer? Um, you know, if there is a, a, there's a CP, then how many teams can meet the same CP? Because the consulting physician, of course, treats both cardiovascular, he treats diabetes, he treats neurology, he treats pain, he treats respiratory. So can I get a core group of customers who then start ensuring my productivity increases. So it became a lot about customers and productivity, the discussion. Uh, and brand building started taking a little bit of a backseat. Right? Okay. Now when I'm looking at it, things have changed uh, again. right? Of course, the customer is just as important. He's not gone out of work. And I don't think the brand is ever going to go out of work. Right? So I think the new paradigm, as I'm seeing it, is, you know, well, where you're, you're marketing to the customer. So I think personalized marketing is something that will become more and more important. Now, we've, we've tried doing it. Look at, look at uh, you know, our communication, the way it's evolved, right? Um, um, we used to probably have one standard communication that used to go across all customer sets. Then we started differentiating it, basically saying to a, to a GP, I have a different form of communication, to a CP, a different form of communication, to the specialist, a different form of communication, right? Um, now it's getting to, you know, almost personalizing at the level of, you know, what's his belief system? Is he a believer in my brand or is he a non-believer in my brand? Right. So does he like my molecule or he, does he not like my molecule? Where does he use my molecule? So even if I was to use a bad, you know, a typical quadrant, uh, which is, you know, belief in, in, in my product versus belief in my molecule. Um, right. Uh, so is, is this guy on the top right quadrant, which means he is high, he likes my molecule and he likes my brand. He's my core customer. How do I interact with that customer? There's another customer who likes my brand, but doesn't really like my molecule. What do I do with him? Do I communicate differently with him? So that's the paradigm at which we are currently. I think this is also going to move even further, right? Where we, we try to get into personas and that's possible through the digital work that, you know, today I, you know, I, it's, it's probably not possible for my rep to speak, um, you know, a different language based on the customer. So let's say, there's one customer that, uh, you know, who likes my brand, but doesn't like the molecule that, that I operate with. Should I communicate differently with him? Uh, maybe it's not 
today is it, it becomes a little difficult because of the kind of you know uh, physical marketing that we do but now that we've got digital marketing that's becoming possible to do right so marketing is going to become a lot more personalized moving forward we are already seeing green shoots of it right uh, but i believe that personalized marketing is going to become the the order of the day so sure. the, the paradigm shift from brand marketing moved into customer marketing or you know pivoting to the consume a customer in, in the middle and now i think it's going to move towards personalized marketing uh, which is um, you know trying to understand who your customer is and trying to make sure that you're trying to make a difference at an n equal to 1 level n equal to 1 yes i was about to ask that right no it's very very nicely put anush thank you so much for that um i could in fact you've already answered <laughs> the next part of the question but i think you've hit the nail in terms of the personalized marketing of n equal to 1 um i i just want to uh, uh, you know um ask you a question uh, on the dr reddy's ways of building brands i mean drl as we know is one of the strongest brand building companies and organizations it has been around for several decades now and uh, powerful positions in various therapy areas that you've had in pain management gastroenterology oncology you know immunology not only the biologic super specialty but also in other segments pediatrics as used to head up before um if you could briefly share with us as an audience you know what does it what's the drl way of building brands and how is it so immensely successful i mean you know and what is the learnings that brand marketers need to have you know in terms of uh, getting into the real process of building brands from your experience with dr reddy as being one of the great brand building organizations that you are so shailesh uh, i will not make this about dr reddy's alone i think okay. I, i'll talk about it in general sure. about about you know marketing and marketers as to sure. how they should look Please. at um i think you know um marketers have a huge responsibility today and and believe me in my point of view marketers are probably one of the most powerful guys within the organization because they can build brands and they can destroy brands right mm-hmm. and often this is an area that we don't pay as much attention to um and and i think we need to be paying a lot more attention uh, to to marketing as a function and marketers as a, uh, as as a group of uh, you know people Yes. Now let me let me just talk about um, what I have noticed uh, with with marketers typically, and 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 a marketer typically when he comes into a fresh organization he carries with him the legacy of his past organization as to what has worked with me in my past organization, right? And uh, obviously the reason he got his current job is because he's done well in his past, so no no doubt about that. Um, and and unfortunately a lot of times what i have seen is what has worked for him in the past he tries to redo that in in his current job as well mm. and that to me is a prescription for disaster i think every every brand uh, depending on where it is in its life cycle needs to be treated very differently um, obviously when a brand is being introduced there's a different element that a doctor i mean a, a, a marketer needs to work on when 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 a product is to be launched right a pre launch uh, brand manager is a very different brand manager his understanding of science needs to be phenomenal his qol management skills needs to be phenomenal he needs to be in a position to interact with um, you know uh, both his clinical team his his regulatory team his um, uh, you know his uh, his qol managers his his qol team 
in order to figure out as to how does he manage that life cycle of the brand. Um, and, and obviously he needs to treat that brand very differently from a brand that he's been, uh, you know, if he's, he's, he's launched, if he's, if he's been, uh, you know, interacting with a brand that has already been in the, mar in the market for 10 years, uh, obviously that needs to be treated very differently, right? So, um, so pre-marketing is, is, is something, if, he, if he's marketing a product that is, uh, you know, two years away from launch, he will he'll look at it completely from a pre-marketing lens. Uh, let's say there is a launch that is coming up. Obviously, I think the focus is a lot more on, you know, um, um, you know, what is the competition like? Uh, pricing becomes very, very important. My go-to market becomes very important. Um, uh, how my positioning the product becomes very important. Uh, so these are the kind of things. Uh, and, and what kind of uh, activities, what kind of uh, initiatives would I uh, take up in my first six months of launch in order to make sure that I have a, a rapid uptake becomes very important. Uh, gone are those days, in my view, where your, uh, you, you know, your your life cycle was very long. To me, a brand can be built in the first six months of its launch. Of its launch, if you've lost the first six months, you've lost lost the brand for for good. Uh, so I think making sure that you're able to pack everything in your first six months becomes very important because there is a power of momentum that a marketer needs to, uh, you know, master. Uh, if, if, if your launch happens with a certain momentum, the field force sees it, the doctors see it, the organization sees it. And if these three people who are very, very important see it as something that has got traction, you will see more investment coming in from the organization. You will miss. You will see a lot more attention coming. See coming in through um, through the uh, the doctor, and also you will see a lot more attention from the sales force. Right. So the first six months of any launch becomes super critical. So the third part of it, if you're managing a brand that is in the latter part of the life cycle. I think becomes very, very critical as to, you know, how are you managing the life cycle of these brands, right? Are there, are there, are you looking at multi-year launch plan? Are you looking at multi-year growth plans uh, for these brands, right? So uh, what are the next indications that I need to be looking at? How do I increase diagnosis? How do I increase uh, the, the funnel of, of this particular disease? Um, how do I ensure that people start, um, uh, you know, uh, wanting to prescribe my brand vis-a-vis -vis some other brand. So I, I think lifecycle management becomes very important. So I think from a marketer's perspective, understanding where your brand is in the lifecycle of the product uh, of of um, of of, uh, of the brand, and then figuring out what becomes what is most essential uh, in each of these life cycle is the most important thing. Great. I mean. Uh... It's, it's amazing when you say that uh, the brand manager, if he has been hired from another organization, tries to replicate what he did in his previous organization in the new environment without even realizing at what stage of the life cycle is. And that is setting himself up for failure rather than success, as you said. So I think your, one of your messages that I'm hearing loud and clear for the brand managers and marketers in our community is unlearn the past because there is no guarantee that it is going to work in the future. And obviously what worked yesterday doesn't work today, right? Uh, and that's, that's really helpful. Um, when you, when you, when you've spoken so much about brand building processes, uh, I obviously, there are those fundamental processes of 
insights and positioning, as you mentioned, segmentation, etc. These are extremely important pivots in brand building. But yet, Anuj, we see that enough rigor at times may not get applied for whatever the reason, either because of lack of understanding of brand managers or because you know it simply doesn't have the time. So, how does one overcome this challenge? I mean, I know there is no prescriptive formula, but how does one overcome this? Because maybe he doesn't have those learnings, or how? What would you advise the marketing community? You know, how do they then bring up to speed on that? Yeah. Just thoughts. Any thoughts? So, so I think a very important point, uh, Shailesh. I think especially when you're building your careers, I think as marketers, it's very important to to find uh, the right kind of mentors, uh, the right kind of people to work with. Uh, you know, uh, I I think you you can't stress that enough. Um, uh, when you start your careers, I think you need to invest in working for the right kind of mentor or the right kind of a boss. Right. Uh, people who understand marketing are super critical. Uh, a lot of times in, in, in the industry, uh, we get bosses who've been sales heads earlier. And there's nothing wrong with it. We've, I have seen some brilliant uh, sales heads who've become brilliant uh, business, uh, business uh, heads. Uh, but, uh, you know, they also need to understand the marketing aspect of it. Right. So, uh, so my suggestion would be work with people who understand this process because otherwise, if, if you don't work with people who understand these processes, um, you won't grow as a, as, as a marketeer. So, so figuring out what your, your current job is. So invest in, um, as I mentioned, uh, you know, uh, money is not as important in the initial part of your careers. I think the first 10 years doesn't really matter, honestly. I think we, I've seen too many brand managers focusing on money, uh, moving jobs, uh, trying to figure out, uh, you know, what what should I be doing next? How do I get a higher paycheck? I think that's not important in the first, uh, you know, seven to ten years of your lives. I think right. the most important thing is to work with people who can teach you marketing. Right. Uh, uh, work for companies who can teach you marketing. Uh, that becomes super critical for me. Brilliantly said, Anush. Thanks a lot because that take-home learning for our audience is don't be designation or paycheck-centric, at least in the initial seven to 10 years of your career. Work with people as mentors who understand and who would groom you and ingrain you with the fundamental concepts, I think, because that is what is going to stand for you uh, in the later part. Excellent, Anush. Anush, let me now get into the, uh, the, the next part of our conversation is Given what you have seen, the tremendous uh, evolution of the marketing function from what it was earlier, brand building to what you said is customer centricity, the N equal to one, which is very true. And we see that in our uh, uh, engagements with clients. Um, what is your take on the, on the position that what are the new skill sets that pharma marketers need to develop or learn, you know, in order to uh, you know, sail through in the new environment because it is rapidly changing. There is so much of complexity, uncertainty. So what is your take on the new skill sets or new domains that brand managers now need to learn? Uh, learn? And maybe even if you feel unlearn, you know, you could, uh, your message would be very, very helpful. Yeah. Sure. I, I think, you know, uh, there, was a, there was a time where, you know, you had rampant numbers product launches, right? And, uh, you know, your your, your launch programs, your launch plans used to be made in two days, three days. Those days are gone. 
I mean, those you know, subscale brand launches are not some things uh, I believe are things of the past right now, right? So uh, I think we will need to be a lot more focused on making brands bigger because I think that's what COVID has shown us is big brands are becoming bigger uh, and small brands are almost disappearing. So I think prioritization, figuring out which are the brands that you, you need to be focusing on is something that every organization is going to do. Uh, which means uh, that you know these these two year uh, two day three day brand launches are are a thing of the past. So working on these multi year launch plans are some things that each one will need to be proficient on. So don't look at it as a brand plan for a year. Uh, you will need to look at brand plans which are uh, five years six years ahead as well, uh, which would need to involve lifecycle management, which would need to involve things like you know am I increasing um, you know. Uh, uh, am I improve, uh, changing the indication? What's my new go-to-market model? Um, you know, uh, am I going through, through new channels? So those are things that you definitely need to do, which are traditional marketing, uh, but we haven't done that enough. So we will absolutely need to do that even more now. Uh, so that's the first part, traditional marketing, which we will definitely need to get better at. So that's number one. The second, I believe that COVID has shown us is... Uh, digital has become the order of the day. Uh, sales has become digital. So our sales, uh, our sales guys are talking to doctors digitally. Marketers are talking to doctors digitally. But I'm saying not just digital marketing. Now you will need to start looking at omni-channel marketing. So omni-channel marketing is about uh, your physical, uh, your, your digital. That could be you know emails. That could be SMSs, any other form. That could be telephones. Um, that could be a pull mechanism as well, uh, wherein, you know, doctor lands up in one of your sites seeking more information, and then you interact with him on the site. So all of this will need to be coordinated. So you can't be speaking differently to him in a physical meeting, uh, speaking to him differently in a digital platform, and speaking to him differently when he comes to a pull platform. So they need to be coordinated. Um, so I think that understanding of omni-channel marketing becomes very, very critical. So if my if my rep meets him on one particular day, when should my uh, you know my digital message be sent to him? What's the frequency with which I need to send it to him? What's the gap between physical and digital? What is the content so that I can move him along the IDA scale? All of those things you will need to start thinking of, right? So that's one critical part of omnichannel marketing that I think people will need, now need to start figuring out. Okay. Analytics is another area uh, that we will definitely need to spend a lot more time on. And here I'm not talking about Excel skills. Uh, you know, I think uh, for analytics for us uh, in the past has been about, and me included, has been about knowing Excel well and trying to figure out uh, how to make, uh, you know, Excel sheets. No, I'm not talking about that. I think a lot of data is being churned out today uh, and the data can be used very, very efficiently. So you've got clearly people who are currently working with AI and ML models. And believe me, this is no fad. This is no fad. This is going to get used in omnichannel marketing. Uh, this is going to get used in sales management. This is going to get used in HR practices as well. So this is an area that every marketer will need to pick up as quickly as he can. Uh, and also elements of personalized marketing. Um, I think these are three areas that I see very different from the traditional marketing that marketers have been used to. 
Right, right. No, this is extremely uh, beneficial uh, take-homes, uh, Anush. Thank you for that because I think what you have said is very pertinent. One is to obviously strengthen your traditional marketing fundamentals or basics, as you have been saying, right? Your strategy, your positioning, your understanding the customer. Second is practicing and learning omni-channel marketing by having customer connects, but similarity of the connect across different channels of communication because the customer is the same. Third is using data analytics for decision out driven outcomes so that whether it's sales management or HR processes, you will have to now, you know, there is no more shying away from it because this is the new future. And I think that is very, very important. So given this kind of a background, Anuj, um, my, no, I probably am not coming to the last part of my uh, interaction with you is, where do you see our industry in another three to five years from now? I mean, there's a lot of talk of digitalization, digital transformation. COVID has forced us to become digitally. We were never ready for it. Uh, I mean, if you look at it, just about 15, 16 months ago, last March, everything came to a standstill abrupt and we were scratching around. But yes, we try to make do of it. Now we have been the second wave. We're coming into the unlock phase. How has been your experience and what did you think, you know, is the industry going to go through? Is, is it now here digital is for good? Is you going to see it happen in a bigger way? What's your take on it? <clears throat> no, I think absolutely it's here to stay. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, I, I, I have no two thoughts about that. Uh, honestly, if you ask me, uh, I mean, I've been a rep myself. And uh, if you look at a day in a life of rep, um, you know, he spends close to about 10 to 12 hours of his time uh, out there in the field. Of that, believe me, doing his specific job, which is in the doctor's clinic, uh, I think he must be spending about 30 to 40 minutes of his time there. Right? The rest of it, he spends either waiting or traveling or potentially planning. Right? Yes. So those are the th three things that he would do. For 95% of the time, 5% of the time, he's actually doing what he needs to be doing, which is speaking to the doctors. So I don't mean any disrespect, but the fact is, this is a very unproductive way of managing resources. Very unproductive way of managing resources. Okay. We have an opportunity of ensuring that that productivity can be improved. Right, digital allows us that opportunity, and I think we, as marketeers and as salespeople, need to embrace it with open hands. Okay. It now allows us to potentially spend lesser time to get more done. Uh, it also allows us to reach, uh, you know, customers specifically with the need that he has. Yes, we need to embrace it with open arms. So, so that would be my take. On this, uh, on on the way uh, forward for for marketers and salespeople. Great. So you see, this now is as inevitable. We have to move into the move into that uh, space, Anuj, and there's no going away from it. So even if COVID were to technically end, the new normal would be the digital plus the physical efforts and omni-channel marketing is what you see there. Absolutely. And let me okay. just add. Uh, let me just add, uh, uh, Shailesh. Um, you know, uh, marketing is going to become even more important than in the past, right? Smaller brands, the brands that were uh, that were just launched, uh, keeping the customer in, in the center because, you know, I've, I've taken 10 brands to the customer. He's, why don't I take the 12th and the 13th? Right. Those were, that's the way, you know, launches have had, happened in the past. That is something that's not here to stay anymore, right? I mean, uh, that's that's a thing of the past in my view because the big brands are likely to become bigger and the smaller brands are likely to disappear. 
so so marketing now becomes even more important even more. than it's ever been right. and the trends of marketing are never going to change digital marketing can come in omni channel marketing can come in but these are only uh, you know means to an end right, right. the right. core principles of marketing are always going to be relevant right so anuj in a way it places even greater responsibility on the marketers that they need to step up and ensure that they are having the best of the skill sets and are committed to the brand building processes in the best possible manner right would you would you share that perspective in a way absolutely absolutely shailesh i think you've put it brilliantly um, i think it puts a lot of responsibility on the sale uh, on on the marketing head uh, or the market uh, the brand managers um and and you know i i truly believe that uh, we are entering a phase where marketing is again going to come back to work uh i think there was a period of time when uh the sales management took over completely uh i think we are back to a phase where marketing is going to come back into work um i'm not taking away from sales because i've done both but i think business is about uh, managing all of these functions together sales marketing the back end of business all of them needs to come together in order to manage business better and i think uh, that's where we are headed now brilliant i mean anuj this gives me so much of hope and optimism when you say that so forcefully that marketing is back at the discussion table and it's now going to take center stage because that's what it has to be primarily because every organization has to be a marketing driven one primarily great anuj it's been great talking to you uh, over the last 40 45 minutes and thank you so much for sharing your perspectives around the piece of marketing excellence life cycle management brand building processes the new era of digital marketing and there was so much i believe to learn from all your thoughts right uh, we are extremely grateful uh, that you could spare your time and thanks once again uh, before i sign off anuj any closing messages that you would want to give our audience uh, who is essentially comprises of pharma marketers today any closing messages so closing messages are you know if you start i mean uh, make sure you're working with the right kind of people i think that's one clear message for me second <laughs> is work, get get experiences rather than focus on experience uh, the third is you know uh, don't look for shortcuts i think marketing is an art it's a science uh, stay true to it uh, don't take shortcuts uh, and look uh you know long term don't look short term don't look for the quarter don't look for the year uh look for a long haul which is 5 to 6 years minimum i think that's the only way a marketer can make a difference wonderful anush thank you so much it has been an absolute pleasure to hear you uh, hear from one of the masters of marketing as i call in an industry because i've known you for a real long time and you've had a pedigree of building powerful brands Uh, thanks so much for your time once again thanks so much for sharing your wealth of knowledge and experience with all of us uh, on behalf of intellectus consulting thank you so much anuj and uh, for giving us your time and your perspectives signing off thank you shailesh thank you have so much yeah thank you so much thanks a lot have a great day anuj thank you so much